Hey, do you like what we do, but want to hear it in Boston? Well, the fucking Avengers, the thing with fucking Chris Evans, you know he went to school around here and shit, right? He fucking grew up around here. Dude, that fucking house in fucking Knives Out, kid, that he was in, that's in fucking Weston, Massachusetts. I drove by it. My uncle, my uncle, okay, he's a fucking contractor, all right? He drives a truck. It's got ladders and shit on it, right? He has fucking pictures of Chris Evans working on that fucking movie and that that asshole Ringing Johnson that made that fucking stupid Star Wars movie I hated so much. That guy right yeah he was fucking there too and oh a fucking james bond kid oh shit i fucking saw james bond and shit i had to send a picture of that to my fucking aunt she was like oh my god bring him over here i'm gonna fuck him so fucking hard and i was like auntie we're on a fucking group chat with ma i don't fucking care ma can come over here and fucking fuck him too for all i care and then we went on and on and on and everybody was fucking and now i know too much about my family kid then you should check out this week's sponsor the Chipman Brothers Tangent, talking about literally anything, be it nerd news or the lasting trauma of Catholic school. Chris and Bob Chipman have you covered. Listen to the Chipman Brothers Tangent on your favorite podcasting site today. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Orc, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going tonight, man? Uh, not great. <laughs> there is... We're having some tech issues. Uh, mostly the, the internet's not cooperating with us. My life is generally a quagmire of misery. Uh, I do have a date tomorrow, though, so that's at least a good thing. Ooh... I mean, her just been talking like music and sharing music recommendations. So worst thing that happens, I have dinner with this person. I walk away with some good music recs. But, you know, she seems really cool and we'll see what happens. How are you oh, doing? Best of luck. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a pretty good mood. I had beer and I went and I watched, rewatched the original Muppet movie. It is still hilarious. There is still some sorcery going on with those Muppets. And it's really fun to see how much the Muppet design has changed with some characters. Like, Miss Piggy's unrecognizable, but Kermit's the same. Ah. Have you ever... Uh, I just recently read an article uh, on Cracked uh, about Jim Henson's funeral. You ever heard about it? No. Is it tragic or awesome? Or a little bit of both? Both. It's both. Like, they have Big Bird there doing a eulogy for him, for instance. Oh, no. That would make him cry. Yeah. Or they have Frank Oz goes up there and he does a eulogy too which is already cool but part of his eulogy is he tells a story where jim henson had him asked him to strip down naked for him so that he could get a, a like a mental image of it and frank oz you know yeah, you look at the guy yeah yeah I, I, let me let me finish frank oz trusts jim henson so much he did it and so like they're in this I don't know, some sort of back room or something. And you can find clips of him talking about the story. And so he strips down, but he's like, you know, he's covering himself. Jim Henson gets the, I, I don't know if he sketches or, but he gets a basic image of it. And then cut to a few months later and he presents Frank with a sculpture. It's a sculpture of a uh, Bert, you know, as in Bert and Ernie Bert, but the eyes are missing. And if you get close and look into the eyes, then inside Bert's head is a little mini sculpture of naked Frank Oz looking like you just walked in on him. <laughs> so, Don't know how I feel about that, except we have been friends almost 15 years, 
and I don't have that type of trust for you. Like, hey, man, you want to get naked for me? Like, no, not happening. Yeah, but neither one of us are, like, sculptors or puppeteers. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like that changes the dynamic when you have that kind of. I, I mean, I agree. If you asked me to get naked, I'd be like, no. But <laughs> but I'm artistic. It's okay. That 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 that's not the contributing factor here. <laughs> I don't care how you want to sculpt me. No. Point is, from what I read, Jim Henson's funeral, which was partially scripted by him before he died, was apparently a crazy affair. That it was makes really, sense. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, I so just, those are our weird intro <laughs> topics. Why don't you take us into <laughs> our patron sound off? Yeah, the people that are like, I want to hear them talk about seeing each other naked and then carving sculptures of them. They are our patrons, the people that give us money to produce this podcast, quote unquote. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Deckard, Donna Lucy, Nathan Willis, Patrick Anderson, Carson Will, and Scott Rubin. Whew! Now... If you'd like to join that illustrious legion, make that list a little bit longer and continue to make sure that we can keep doing this week to week, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks for shields. 25 cents an episode, a dollar a month guarantees that we at least will keep this going for a little while longer. Speaking of a little while longer, we uh, you've read the title. You know what we're talking about. But just to put a big bow on it, we've been doing this for four years now. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's like the time warp of COVID or just the fact that I don't think about it for four years. It's weird to think about that we're that means half of it was in pandemic. So because we're oh. we're entering the third year of pandemic. So now I'm sad and angry all over again. Isn't sad and angry your default mode though, Ulrich? <laughs> it's mostly angry and hungry, but yeah. I mean anymore. Fair enough. So today we don't have I mean we have a, a topic, kind of. But today is really more just a, like a, hey, fourth year anniversary conversation special topic thing. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> we, we we like to open these with looking back to, holy shit, we made it another year. And what did we learn today, class? What did we learn today? I, Podcasting's hard. Huh, I learned that you shouldn't podcast on Wi-Fi, Ulrich. I need to make this thing work. How I make it work. Hit it with stick. And you're like, no, no, don't 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 hit it with a stick. Just just listen, I can't see you, but stop whatever you're doing. That's that's accurate. Right now he can see me. I actually have video on. Uh that's because for some reason it's making the recording go smoother and I don't wanna I don't wanna upset the omnisaya by by upending anything. So but I can't see him. See, very much does feel the forty K level of technology of all right, I'm doing this specific thing and hoping it works. Because last time the rubber band snapped and I don't know what happened or how to fix it. Hey, man, I have an electrical engineering degree. And while there is a lot of specific detail, sometimes that that feels like what my job can be. <laughs> right, maybe that's just like the inside secret amongst people that understand this. But like, no, no, it's really all luck and bullshit. I just make it sound fancy. I feel like that's the key of a lot of professions when you get down to it. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Don't look too closely. You'll see the man behind the, you know, awesome, man, great, and powerful. Yeah, man behind the curtains. Old standard for a reason. So, <laughs> anyway, so, Ulrich, uh, what did you learn in this last year? Ah, uh, what did I learn? 
Like, what what stuff did we really do? Like, what stands out? Like, when I think this about... Was, well, this was the year we launched Geeks with Grim, uh, Geeks of Grimdark. Oh, that was only this year? That, that was older. only this year. Yeah, wow. I know. That was a lot of fun. And okay. at the same time, it's been a nightmare to try and wrangle because we had a huge influx of people like, oh, I want to do this. And we're like, cool, where do you live? Argentina. Oh, <laughs> shit, time zones. I don't know if we've done the Argentina person yet, but I know we did someone in Germany. So yeah, We've done like crossing the Atlantic and it's like, all right, if it's four o'clock your time, that means it's this time, which means it's, oh, God. Like, And we still have so many guests. Like, I'm still getting like, hey, are you guys still doing Geek Grimdark? We are. We're getting to you. We promise. And did you say when we originally announced that we had like 50, like that day, like 50 people being like, I'll do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. I know. If and there's like, the list is still there. I still have the list. I still go through it. It's just scheduling and everything else. Okay. So yeah, Ge- Geeks of Grimdark obviously okay. is a big, a big deal. Uh, we also did some more Horace Heresy book club stuff. We got all the way through. Yep. Uh, we got really into the first three books of the Horace Heresy. We've got Starship Troopers coming eventually. Yeah, we started reading that, but then we were like, all right, we got to kind of focus on other things. So we were going to put that on pause and come back to it. Uh, I know we did, our Purge episode was really recently, but that, that was one of those things that stuck out in my brain because I had to watch five movies in a span of three days, which is not that big a deal. But when I had a bunch of other stuff going on, just trying to squeeze it in was difficult. So I learned this year. I learned how to, how to, how do I want to put this? I learned that I have to be careful with how much I try and juggle in regards to this podcast. Because I at one that. point I was trying to plan this podcast, edit this podcast, produce echo logs, and do the Road to Bayham. And who oh boy. Road to Bayham. That's right. We need to pick that back up soon. So. Yeah. I feel like if you aren't a patron, you don't know what we're talking about, but that's all the more reason to go so you can find out what we're talking about. Oh, you can find out at the very least. I mean, I it's part of like advertising. So for anyone who doesn't know Road to Bayham for our patrons is we do a thing that we started doing with we do it with Chris Chipman, the Chippa, uh, where we do a, it's called the director smackdown where we figure out well, we go through a director or in some cases a more nebulous concept. But we go through a director's filmography and figure out what film is the most quintessentially them, not the best film, not the even the most important film necessarily, just the one that is most quintessentially that creator. So although we do consider things like quality and importance, they're just not the key point. And we got enough patron numbers sometime last year, maybe the year before. I don't remember exactly the timeline on this, but to do it for Michael Bay, a, a, a concept that neither one of us wanted to do. But we were like, all right, if we get the patron numbers, then we'll we'll do it because I have not watched many Michael Bay movies at all. And I think Oryx in a, a similar boat. And so we have to go through and watch all of them. We review them. And then at the end of the this trip, this road, the destination will be a smackdown. That's what peop, uh, <sighs> patrons can follow us with. We do we do um we do we a do movie a night. Wa- yeah, we do a movie night. Uh, we just we all watch it on our own. But we watch it at the same time and just, you know, talk to each other on like a discord server and stuff. It's fun. It's what makes it fun. And uh, the only movie that I don't really remember that we've we watched uh, too much. We broke Axel. Yeah, yeah. Bad Boys 2 broke me. I, I drank. 10 shots of hard liquor over the course of probably about an hour and i'm a lightweight so i don't remember the last half hour of that movie like at all so yeah that one the problem is we didn't anticipate this there's a lot of movies and they're all really long and everyone has conflicting schedules yeah like that's a 
they're like the short ones are two and a half hours and it's like all right when can we commit two and a half hours to a movie we don't want to watch that's another thing too is man the more movies i've seen because i watched i watched like 24 movies that came out in 2021 which is higher than my average but now i'm going literally every weekend so we'll see what this year looks like but i realized that if your movie is longer than 90 to 100 minutes you gotta fucking justify it to me because i start getting yeah i i really can tell when a movie is like long like everyone loves dune i get it but i was sitting there like god this thing's taking forever so yeah that's oh we also speaking of the smackdown we unveiled the mcu smackdown which has been interesting correct and i think that uh that's gonna we've done every component of the mcu smackdown we still have a final mcu smackdown to do at some point which will be like all of the the answers kind of put together so we'll see when we get there but smackdowns are really fun we always love doing stuff with with chris obviously uh, i know i've gone on we've gone on his show a couple times i did his year-end thing it was just me and him because Ulrich had something else going on um what else happened this year we talked with graham mcneil again which was really cool yeah. and we had so, graham mcneil on this is like the first time we had graham mcneil on we had him on twice we've had one twice yeah why do we feel like we've had him on twice because we, we the first time we talked with him about oh that's right we did Fulgrim yeah we did Fulgrim and uh, False Gods right so yeah we talked to him twice yeah no huge like check off the podcast bucket list talk to someone you really like and respect yeah that you didn't think you could get I I want to preface that we've had we've had a ton of amazing guests this year true partially in just like people we've reached out to partially in just the influx of people that showed up to hey I want to talk about Warhammer with you guys and we're like oh okay uh let's see we went on uh, the Games oh, Workshop we... Spy. That's true. We've discovered the Games Workshop Spy. We went on the Film Rescue podcast to talk about how we would uh, fix Hellboy. Remember, that was a fun one we've that been happened been a couple year. times. What was the other movies then? I remember Hellboy. We've been know. on there. Hellboy, we did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That oh, that's right. League. Before. I remember. Okay. League of Extraordinary That was the first time we went on. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been on a couple times for Red Dawn and Warcraft. Oh, I would have loved to join the Warcraft one. I didn't know that happened. Oh, dude, the Warcraft one, that's not out yet. That, I put in more work into that than I should have. Like, I actually read the lore and dug into, like, all right, let's find something usable. I mean, Warcraft is a great world, which is why I said I would have enjoyed being part of that, but it's okay. Uh, other, ooh, other big thing, we joined something this last year called the Fireside Alliance. Oh, yeah, there's that thing, too. Which, uh... Which was made by some fellow podcasters, Chris, we mentioned before. And unfortunately, I haven't interacted with all the Alliance enough to know most of their names. Uh, but it's essentially a, a grouping of like-minded podcasters. And it's named as such because it's supposed to evoke the idea of like sitting around a campfire and telling stories, which is kind of what we all do. And and we're in a, like a Discord channel with all of them, and they're all wonderful. Again, we just haven't got to do much like crossover stuff with them, which I would like to do. It's just, as Ulrich put it, schedules and stuff can be tricky, and we're actually quite busy with our own projects right now. So, But if you're listening to this, check out the Fireside Alliance. Good stuff. A lot juggling of good people there. Yeah, Juggling Chainsaws, exactly. No, that, that's how I describe kind of what this podcast is between everything we have going on in our personal lives. Like, Oh, and these people want us to guest on their podcast. It's like, well, hold on. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. So we're trying, but it's it's a lot of there's a lot of material, which is a good thing. It's better to have an abundance than a lack, but still. Yeah, no, I would say and let's tighten the basic our numbers went like way up. Like I watched I can look at the uh analytics. They're not the best, they're not the most comprehensive, but like a huge upswing in this year to last. I mean, we did take a dive 
for the break, but we really kind of needed the break just to catch our breath because October is ridiculous because then we start producing multiple podcasts between ours, Geeks of Grimdark, and then Slagathorst kicks in with Geek Who Haunt, and it just gets a bit uh, tricky. Yeah, but it's it is funny when we think about the last four years, like a lot happened last year. I am surprised that when we're saying putting it out like this, like that's a lot to happen in one year. Huh. Considering we're a two man operation. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I know there was I actually got connected kind of with one of our other dream guests, but that connection kind of dissolved recently, which or not recently, a while ago. So, you know, ups and downs. <laughs> There's always hope, I guess. <laughs> are you talking about the one I think you're talking about? You are. Or I am, yeah. I told you before that I was one degree of separation away from that person, and that degree of separation involved my ex. So. Oh, well, it's probably for the best, because I don't know how we would handle that guest. I mean, I agree. I still think it's possible at some point. It's just that I no longer can probably do it through that particular pathway. Oh, at this point, I think anything is possible, but that's that's a guess. Like, I don't know if I personally could feel I would be in my own head. And yeah, and the only reason I'm not saying the the person's name specifically is because I also don't want to kind of out oh, that I was so close in connection to this person because there's some NDAs involved with the connection and I'm not going to touch that. So, well, even then, if we do get this guest, I kind of want it to be a surprise. And if we never get this guest, I prefer the mystery. That's fair. I mean, we've gotten, like you said, we've gotten some of our, let me wrong. I love our guests that are like just people we know and love. Like I love bringing, uh, like, I love bringing Woonvog on. Like, Woonvog's my best friend in reality. I like just talking cartoons with him. But there's also something to be said about, like, we've gotten a handful of guests that are quote-unquote clout. Like, you know what I mean? And that's just, it's just cool. So Listen, I know he will deny it. But having John Bailey on, you know, one of the, one of the voices of Optimus Prime, who was yep. in a legit big-budget Hollywood movie, that was cool to me. Because it's like, you know what? One degree of separation, maybe, even not that. He was he was in a big Hollywood blockbuster. And I don't know, plus he does to me, the voice of Optimus Prime. Yeah. Well, honestly, to me, that was just the fact that we got the Honest Trailer guy was just just so cool. So <laughs> that was yeah. the year before like, last. Like I know though, he'll deny it? it and downplay it. That might have been the year before last. I don't remember. Yeah, it does blur together a little bit. But point is, we've just been talking about like stuff that happened this last year, and there's there's quite a lot that happened. It's a good time. I know that uh, this last year I picked up my Warhammer hobby a lot harder. Like I started the year before, or actually, let's see, it was yeah, 2020 is when I started my Warhammer hobby. But you know, this year I hit like I was building boxes like carpentry to hold stuff and i've got like six thousand points worth of models now and and i've been diving hard into the whole world of it and that that's been Uh, yeah i would say this year is the like you had you were inching towards it and you were just kind of like i like it but i don't want to clutter up my house and i don't know to this year it's like oh my god did you see this newest release of orc shit oh i need this and oh ooh sisters ooh sisters are cool i need some of that too and oh man paint Yep, I just got my uh, my castigator built last night, actually. So. <laughs> and then you, you, you your side eye and Age of Sigma are going, hey, what do you got over there? That looks cool. Can I have some of that? Oh, I'm not side eyeing it anymore. Now that I got a new computer, I've been I've put like 200 hours more actually into Total War Warhammer 2, and I have absolutely fallen in love with the Skaven. 
and I have already bought a Warlock Bombardier and a box of Storm Fiends, which is enough to play Warcry. I'm not going to collect more yet until I do some painting, because I am woefully behind in my painting, but damn straight I'm going to be collecting a Skaven army. Yeah, well, it's funny because the I want two fantasy armies. I want the Skaven, obviously, and the Sylvaneth, which are the tree people. And the Sylvaneth are more, how, how do I put it? They're they're not really hordy. They're more elite, like big tree monsters. But and even though Skaven are technically a horde, I don't know if I'm going to collect them as a horde. Like, don't get me wrong, I'll probably have like a big group of storm vermin. But the things that excite me about Skaven are things like storm fiends, doom wheels, warp lightning cannons rattling guns so see maybe hopefully this year so tech aside because we're gonna have so tech back big spoiler alert there we can get other people that know warhammer fantasy and age of sigmar on geeks of grimdark to kind of dive into that a bit more yeah absolutely so i would i would love to learn I, like i said i'm i'm kind of osmosising warhammer fantasy through total war but i still don't know much about age of sigmar i know some skaven stuff because i've been spending time on the age of sigmar wiki for skaven <laughs> but it's not a whole lot. So. Age of Sigmar is fun. Like it's it's really cool to see a literal universe kind of being born and evolving and eventually getting like okay this works this doesn't work and finding an identity. Yeah, like, I have more. I do have more to say about about that, but I feel like that might be good for in a few minutes for reasons. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like we're we're, we're kind of getting there, but these anniversary episodes are kind of always loosely connected long rambles. That's true. That's true. Just to celebrate like, hey, we managed to do this for another year. We outlasted the uh, Conan's podcast. We did? Hmm. You only lasted a year, and I think, and then we called it quits. Huh. Well, I there is nothing tactful I can say about that, so I'm just going to say cool. <laughs> <laughs> I will just say it amuses me greatly that the man who was on the cover magazines as one of the leaders of podcasting <laughs> just kind of packed it up after a year. Well, the sad thing is that uh, there is one person who is probably like king podcaster in society right yeah. now. And it's someone who I know you and I have similar, not positive opinions about. So we don't need to go into that. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you were talking about Kevin Smith. Because like Kevin Smith, I do consider like the godfather of podcasting. Uh, okay. In regards to like getting in early, I agree with you. But I'm saying that as far as the average person goes, like when they think oh, of like a the podcaster – yeah. yeah. You know who I'm talking about now? <laughs> oh, everyone knows who you're talking about. Okay, I, exactly. I'm not going to I'm not going to touch that one cuz I have exactly. to do the social. And I don't think that they would get that far, but you never know. I got yelled at over Warhammer for a long time the other day. Really? What were they yelling at you about specifically? Well, okay. So, as you may or may not know, uh Warhammer Plus released their numbers for their animations. That's right. That's and right. And a lot of people <laughs> came to yell at me about TTS and about dividing the hobby, and about just all sorts of crazy things. Like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just saying, from where I sit, those are not good numbers for your big flagship streaming show, and Games Workshop probably wants better numbers. Yeah, all I know is that I logged into Warhammer Plus once, and the fact that there was not even, like, enough content to scroll was struck me as, this is problematic. So. Oh, that's another thing we can tease is coming. We are going to do at least one or two episodes on Warhammer Plus. Honestly, I have been digging in and loving the hell out of reading the End Times books because they're uploading those slowly to the Warhammer Vault. Mm. And like, okay. oh, this is that's really interesting. 
I guess my brain is like YouTube videos. I'll watch on my computer. That's fine. But if I'm watching a TV show, I want to do it from the comfort of my, you know, couch on my TV. And the fact that I can't do that on Warhammer Plus is a weird disconnect for me. I a couple of years ago, I would have maybe understood. No, no, because I watched Doctor Who entirely like on my computer back in college. So so I, I, I can kind of understand. But yeah, I don't fully don't feel the same I way. think I think it's because when I'm at my computer, I'm doing one of two things. I'm either you know playing a game or doing something or I am working on this podcast. And if I'm sitting in this chair and I'm watching this video, I'm thinking I should be doing something for the podcast. That I understand because there are situations where I like I have a really hard time doing work from home. Like I'm capable of working from home and sometimes I have to. I hate doing it because if I'm at home at my in my room, I don't feel like I should be. I'm not in work mode. Like I need to be yep. at work to be in work mode. <laughs> All my stuff is here. I'm going to get distracted. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I do understand that much. Yeah. But I will watch the animations eventually because we are going to do an episode talking about it we might do an episode talking about the end times just because i want an excuse to kind of dig into that like as an outsider what do i think of this supposed cursed series yeah i am uh another thing that happened this year is i tried to join ulrich on twitter i started off late just getting a twitter account and then about a week ago i realized you know i barely use it so i downloaded on my phone so now i'm trying to utilize my phone to get on there like daily I'm not saying this is a smart decision or a good decision. It's just a decision that happened. <laughs> oh, you're going to come to regret it. Probably. But as Oryx said, he's Oryx has to deal with these people on Twitter, including fighting not always the nicest people. And maybe I can, I don't know, we're shield brothers, man. Maybe if I can help, then I, I don't know. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, is we're just, like, our Twitter is still kind of small enough. I don't have to deal with a whole lot of assholes. It's mostly tertiary assholes. And we mm. have fairly decent followers this is every once in a while someone barges in it's like all right motherfucker who the hell are you and what do you want <laughs> or being exposed to just like the vacuous well of stupidity of other people online it's like i share a planet with you people well i i admit that i have somewhat of a condescending view of twitter and that's that's on me like i acknowledge <laughs> that i'm I, <laughs> i'm being no, no, no. you are <laughs> correct okay so my point is that like i literally when i put it on my phone i thought all right if i'm going to use twitter I'm going to try to use it the way it seems like it's intended to be used from my perspective, which is to post stupid thoughts that might make someone laugh or smile or think about something or even uh, or even think that you're an idiot. Just something like that. So the first thing I did was create this idea of inane thought of the day where I just try to think of something that to just to put out in the ether. Right. And like so far, I've done like one that made sense one that didn't mean anything really and then one that was like depressing and i have no context for it i'm just i'm trying to i'm trying to tweet properly damn it <laughs> i tell people that the only people that are on twitter or should be on twitter are the people that have a reason to be there i.e if you're not you know actively promoting something what are you doing here leave be free yeah that's kind of that's kind of my thought too but i'm there as the other half of this podcast essentially so <laughs> All right. Last thing before we get into the topic, let's talk about what this was going to be and why it isn't anymore. I remember it being like two other things uh, first. So we teased at one point we were lifting the Star Wars band because we haven't talked about Star Wars since the very first episode. And then the book of Boba Fett came out and the discourse around that was fucking monstrous. So not even that it just was enough that pissed me off because here's the thing we were we've had multiple stories we wanted to talk about 
And then I remember like, no, talking about Star Wars Online isn't fun because people just nitpick and bitch and can't enjoy it. And then there was like this kind of calm period where no one was bitching about Star Wars for a bit. And like, okay, you know what will be fun for the fourth episode? Let's do that. Let's do a Star Wars episode. And then Book of Boba Fett came out. And then everyone said, you know what I like doing? Bitching about stupid shit in Star Wars. And I'm like, oh, this is why we don't talk about Star Wars. I do think it's funny that the main criticism of Book of Boba Fett seems to be uh, you already did this show better in The Mandalorian, so what are we doing here? <laughs> Which is and isn't true, but at the same time, we're getting a Boba Fett show, and I feel like on some level, everyone's kind of wanted that. At least I guess. more than a suit of armor. I, like, I admit that, that I am... Boba Fett, like, wanted everyone else to love Boba Fett, and people that, like, I don't get why you like Boba Fett. I want to know why. I mean, I feel like it's a win-win. Yeah, I admit that that's the side I kind of sit on. Like, I love Star Wars. I think Star Wars is a cultural touchstone. I honestly, I don't like it as much as plenty of other things a lot of the actors involved in. I'm a huge fan of Mark Hamill primarily for his voice acting career, not as Luke Skywalker. Yep. I like I like Harrison yep. Ford primarily as Indiana Jones, not Han yep. Solo. And Carrie Fisher is way more interesting in basically her solo stand-up kind of <laughs> like work than oh, as an actress. I miss her so much. So, the more we learn about her, the more that we I feel I feel the loss. Yeah. But I still recognize the importance of Star Wars, and there's still a lot about Star Wars I love. I never got on the Boba Fett train. Yep. Like, even as a kid, I didn't – he didn't register to me at all as an entity. And then suddenly finding out he was this wonderful – this thing that people love. It's like, he has six lines in the entire uh-huh. trilogy. I don't get it. So. He looks cool, but, yeah, no, I'm in the same boat. And that's like when he appeared in uh, Mandalorian. I'm like, all right, you got to prove this because I wanted Rex, and you gave me Boba Fett. Yeah, and the and the Mandalorian himself Horse is, is like, hey, remember me? I'm awesome. Yeah, and the Mandalorian himself is way cooler. But that's because he, they get we get a lot of time to spend with him, and plus they got that actor who was Oberyn in Game of Thrones, whose name escapes me right now. Thank you, Pedro Pascal, who is amazing. So like, but I didn't even I didn't even finish the Mandalorian though. But that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, as we just established, Star Wars is a is a weird is a weird topic for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's just not fun to talk about. So we're going to talk about something that is equally pedantic and is kind of making my brain itch with rage, but I still want to talk about it. 40K, because it's our podcast and we can. And over the last year, our amount of 40K content has gone up quite a bit because I got a lot more into the hobby than I already was, and Ulrich is gleeful about it, whether he admits it or not. Oh, 100%. Uh, I've been wanting to do 40K content since we launched the podcast. I just had to get you up to, like, all right, I got to get basic knowledge in you. So that we and can I, have these conversations. Yeah, and I definitely have more than basic knowledge at this point since I spend a lot of I've spent a lot of time delving into the lore. I've and got collecting. you reading the Horus Heresy. You are Exactly. And now I'm and starting got, to get into and now I'm starting to get into Age of Sigmar and Warhammer Fantasy. I mean, so <laughs> Yeah, no. I'm that's the trifecta's complete. So I think the first thing we'll talk about is like some people start to interest, like our armies, like what inspired us to pick the ones we did, how we build them, kind of yada yada blah blah blah. All right, well, you have seniority in this topic, so you choose what order we do this in. I'll let you go, because I'm a crazy man with a crazy project. Okay, so if we're talking about, I think I've mentioned before, I did it definitely on shooting the shit with with Chippa, but I think I've talked on this podcast before about how I finally got into the hobby proper. So I had been on the edge of 40K for years since... Probably since about 2015, when I first played Dawn of War, my buddy Nils had got it for me um, because him and, and our mutual friend Stevie, like they both played it a lot in high school. And so then they got a copy for me. 
and I really liked it. And in Total War, the race that I found the most interesting was the one that made me laugh, which was the orcs. And I don't like orcs in fantasy. Like, so Tolkien fantasy owns the fantasy genre in general. And I never liked how orcs are portrayed there. I don't find them interesting. I don't care for orcs in Warcraft. I know that, you know, they're actually the a huge deal and they're basically a, a different entity entirely from Tolkien orcs, but I don't find them interesting there either. I like trolls way more, but it's another topic entirely. So I'm just I'm not a fan of orcs as a general concept, but in 40k, in Dawn of War, where it's this really dark, dismal like setting where everything is uber grim. I mean the term grim dark comes from 40k for a reason. They just stuck out as being so fun and humorous and i was quoting them at my friends and you know just saying things like green is best or no more kicking you know just just fun little lines and and their their tech was like crazy and ramshackle and i love junk punk junk punk is a cool aesthetic in general so so i played them in dawn of war but that was the extent of it for years because i don't like stuff I don't like collecting things in general. I don't like having a lot of things in my control. I had to move around a lot when I was a kid. I mean, a lot. So I got used to not having a lot of stuff. In fact, the more stuff you had, the harder it was to move. And so I just kind of ingrained this idea in my head of like, I don't like having more than a room's full of stuff. I barely like having furniture. So so I really avoid the idea of collecting models. I can't even collect cards and I still don't like the idea of collecting cards for another reason. But so I was like, That's I'm not going to. Yeah. So uh, so I was like, I'm not going to collect models like it's not going to happen. And then near the end of 2019, something big happened to me uh, that is really, really hurtful. And I don't really want to go too much into it. But basically uh, the uh, a situation, a relationship that had lasted six years came to an end. Still probably the biggest mistake I've ever made. But. Not the point. The point was I was suddenly alone in my apartment for the first time in a long time. And then the pandemic started. And so not only was I alone in my apartment, but I was stuck in my apartment. And I was having a conversation, I think, with my buddy Wretched and my other buddy Dan. And we were just looking at uh, models online. Like, we were just looking at stuff. That was it. And we just started talking about it. And they had mentioned... Like, I, I started paying a lot more attention. I was just talking about different kind of models. And and Wretched was like, you know, we've got some uh, here if you want to play a bit and see how you feel about it. Next time you come down and visit, because he lives like six hours away, then you can see what you feel about it. So I went, all right. And so I, I the next time I visited, our buddy, our mutual friend, uh, Evan, he had like a start collecting box worth of orcs. And Kill Team was like just getting kind of big because Kill Team, the first version came out like recently at the time and so we played that and i played with the the orcs and i thought the game was really cool i liked that we were talking about and looking at all these models and so that weekend i ordered a box of flash kits to be delivered to my my house when i got back home and so that's how i started my collection a box of flash kits and then when i got back i went out and bought a start collecting box and i because again orcs were the race that dawn of war had gotten me into because they were funny and i liked how I like how goofy they are in, in the setting. I also like how badass they are, but they're badass in a really like goofy, off-kilter kind of way. And so then I started 
getting really heavy in, into that and collecting the orcs. And uh, now, I've, like I said, I've got like 3,000 points with them. Some friends of mine bought me a Morkanaut. I started, once I started getting into it, I want people to play with. And while I had people that six hours away to play with, and Ulrich is like, I think you're like seven hours away. I haven't driven to your place I'm in a couple years. six and years. a half, seven maybe. Yeah, yeah. I've so moved I've, since you last visited. So <laughs> I'm in another state entirely. Exactly. So I don't know exactly where you are, but I know you're a, you're not the I haven't seen you in person in like three years. So anyway, so I needed to get people to play with here. And so I, I admit I was probably overly annoying about it, but I managed to to kind of push my buddies Woundvog and Denim into collecting as well. And it's roughly around that time where Sisters of Battle got a full plastic release and orcs are a mono gender faction but they're they all uh, present masculine and so instantly i was like okay i'm kind of interested because i i like like female kind of stuff in these kind of games because it's not as common and i like things that are you know more out there and more different and i knew that you know female space marines is a hornet's nest of a conversation for a reason oh um, that one's coming down the pipe don't worry folks yeah yeah so so i started looking into them and just something about these badass women in power armor with fire everywhere and just you know the, the the zealotry which you know in reality i hate zealots and i hate fundamentalism and i is all you call you can call it a political belief but i think that fundamentalist zealots are literally the scourge of our species uh, one of the biggest threats to the species as a whole anyway but in fiction in this setting they're just awesome and how their tech looks and like just these badass ladies and so i was like okay i gotta I gotta collect this now. I wasn't planning on collecting two. I was. I barely got on board with collecting one army, but they're so cool. I can't get around this, and so I started collecting sisters to the point where Wretched says that I was always a sisters player all along. That I just pretend to be an orc player sometimes. So, I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, because like I like the orcs because they're funny, but I like the sisters because of like everything to do with them. Like I. I would say sisters now are more my primary army than orcs are because like while I like orcs, I like a lot about orcs. Like I like them in a way that feels like it's not all encompassing of what they are within the setting. Uh, I like them because they're fun, but the sisters, I like both the serious and the the not serious aspects of them. Like I like reading like stories about the Repentia and what they're doing. I, I, I actually feel like I'm following, like don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not going so far to where I suddenly think that they're, you know, the good guys. Cause again, this is Warhammer 40 K and we don't do that here, but, <laughs> but I, I just feel like I can get behind them in a way that like, I don't really actually get behind orcs in a literal sense, you know, like when I read that, I mentioned this before, but I read recently Brutal Cunning, which is a book that a third of it takes place from an orc's perspective, and he's theoretically the main character of the book. But I ended up latching on to the ad mech that the orcs were attacking instead. I don't know why, but that's what happened. But I'm and on the other hand, I want to read like Faith and Fire and these all these sisters books just because I just haven't got around to doing it yet. So I, this is my long rambly way of explaining how I got to to choosing uh, sisters and orcs. Now for fantasy. Cause I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll through this because I'm gonna end up having four armies in total. So Fantasy and Age of Sigmar I don't know too much about yet. I am learning more. But uh, Age of Sigmar is the you know not sci-fi, not future. I mean there still is some aspects of that, but you're not gonna get into that. So I, at first I looked at all the models in the line and I had no context for anything. I just looked at the models and was like, all right, what would I want if I was gonna collect? Because because my friends Wretched and and Dan. We're super into the Age of Sigmar models because the Age of Sigmar models are gorgeous. Like they're just really good pieces of art. And so, and so they were looking at them and they were talking about like, things they like. Like Wretched's really into the vampire coasts, and 
and Dan really likes, you know, pirate steampunk dwarves. So <laughs> carried in overlords. And I was looking through all of them and just nothing was really jiving with me, especially not the orcs. I don't like fantasy orcs, as I said, and they just don't have the same comic potential. They're not as funny in fantasy, like at all. But I did see tree people. And I don't know why, but that touched me. Like I like the models are really pretty and something about the whole like wrath of nature kind of vibe worked for me. So I just bought like five Sylvaneth, which are the tree elves, essentially. When I say tree elves, I mean, they're like literally trees. <laughs> so they used to be like actual elves in Warhammer Fantasy, but in Age of Sigmar, now they're like actual trees. They're just move around and stuff and they're different sizes so i got like five models of that particularly there's one called the arch revenant geronti that's just a gorgeous model that i wanted but then i didn't think about it i didn't think about age of sigmar or fantasy for probably a year after that like i wasn't i wasn't bothering with it and there was no really connection to it and then i got a new computer and my buddy nils bought me total war one and two which is a, a video game that takes place in Warhammer Fantasy that's a combination of RTS and Civ-style game. Because, like, you play, like, a Civ game, but the battles are, like, an actual RTS kind of situation. So I started playing that, and at first I was like, all right, I'll pick uh, I'll pick Bretonia because the leader here is basically a sister of battle. And it was fine. Uh, I love your methodology for picking. You're French and have a hair that looks like sisters. Close enough. I mean, pretty much. Rapunzel de Leon is pretty awesome. Like, she's got a crazy backstory that I started – like, I didn't know that she's literally centuries old because she's blessed by a, by essentially the Lady in the Lake from Arthurian legend. Like, there's cool stuff going on there. But the army is just people on horses, and I wasn't really getting into it. Then I got a DLC that has uh, Dreitcha Hamadreth for the Wood Elves so I could actually play as – tree people, and I got really into that. I was having a really good time, and it started making me think, like, all right, maybe I will start – uh, really getting into the trees sometime and then i was talking with ulrich specifically and he said have you tried the skaven yet because i think you would really like them and i said i mean i i know a little bit about them but i haven't tried them out yet and he was like look at some of their units just just go look them up and because i had seen the models before but the models are all really the old models are ancient not all like, of them but like half of them are ancient and it just so happens that they didn't impress me back in the day but now I was looking at the Total War digital models, and there's this one unit, just one unit, called Rattling Guns, which is two Skaven. And if you don't know what Skaven are, Skaven are basically people-sized rats. <laughs> but it's two of them, and one of them is holding a minigun, and the other one is holding like a crank that cranks the ammo to it. But the ammo is not normal bullets. It's like chunks of plutonium. They call it warp stone, but it might as well be uranium. Yeah, it's or the same or effect. Yeah, so they have a uranium-spewing minigun, and I saw that, and something about that existing in a fantasy setting, like, kicked off all of the pleasure centers of my brain. I was like, I need to figure out – I want to I want to do that. And so I immediately start, started a campaign uh, as Ikit Claw. I, I, like, I went and bought the DLC that has Ikit Claw in it. He's the, the leader of the Skaven people that are about tech. That's and the best DLC they probably put out. Probably, yeah, yeah. The pro I mean, profit in the warlock. Non-race-wise, non-race-wise, it's probably the best one just because of what it did for Skaven. Yeah, because it turned the Skaven. Anyway, not the point. But the point is, I I started playing that and I figured out like combining warlock jizzales and and rattling guns and getting to a point where like I'm in playing essentially Age of Empires except my army is all people with guns and, it, and the enemy army gets shot before they ever reach me and it's so satisfying to watch and. So anyway, so I started 
figuring out Skaven and figuring out this crazy tech, and I just am super you're, – you're there, right? Yes. Okay, so I figure out their crazy tech, and I'm just super into their aesthetic, and I've fallen in love with the Skaven. They are also – like, so orcs in 40K are neutral – chaotic neutral if we're talking like D alignments they're not they're not evil they're not good they just kind of like follow their in in their own programming essentially uh, by 40k standards everyone's really evil by <laughs> our standards but by 40k standards they're basically uh, chaotic neutral sisters uh, of battle are they're definitely lawful uh so again i would say they're like lawful neutral by 40k standards because they you know they follow very very zealot codes and whatnot and they do like save people but they also burn people if they think you're a heretic. I was going to say, they also burn people alive and yeah, yeah. things. But 40k. Yeah, exactly. The Sylvaneth are almost good. In fact, they're kind of like, because uh, Warhammer Fantasy and Age of Sigmar has like races that you could actually consider pretty good, like standard kind of good. And Sylvaneth get there, although personally I choose the Sylvaneth run by Dreitcha Hamadreth, who is kind of a psycho who hates anything that isn't a tree. So I, I kind of skew I that. Say, I mean... I don't know a lot of my Sylvanath lore, but aren't they basically like, listen, if you're a tree, you're good. If you're anything else, you're an asshole. Drycha is that, but the rest of the okay. Sylvanath are actually a lot more well, like, yeah, we work together with the Order and stuff. But yeah, Drycha but, is literally a being made of hate and malice. So. Well, yeah, she was that way in the old one. But didn't Ariel basically go, nah, y'all can fuck off. I've got my realm. She only I'm did good. that because Nurgle was assaulting her realm, and she was like, I don't have the resources to help you. Nurgle is fucking my shit up. So. Yeah, well. Anyway. Life, Nurgle. Point is, I chose essentially two neutral armies, kind of, and then one kind of good army. Skaven, though, they are no evil. qualifiers. Yeah, there are no qualifiers evil. There is no arguing. They are fucking evil. And that's kind of awesome about them they're pure undiluted evil like even the forces of chaos are like like they're super evil but there's usually a positive spin on each god the well, you the, can find a spin yeah the only positive spin on skaven is that they're pure they are a pure race but that that purity is that they are selfish backstabbing cowardly destructive uh entities who just want to take over the world and, and be only Skaven. Murder everything. Anything goes wrong, not my fault. Someone else's fault. I, I'm being sabotaged. They, they're they're so, like, they're so ridiculously over-the-top evil that it's kind of gleefully enjoyable. Does that make sense? Yeah, now I'm going to kind of, I might, I just might break it for you, but I'm curious if you've discovered the real-world parallel. The real-world parallel with Skaven? Yes. Uh... Well, I know that some people have – I've read some theories about the Great Horned Rat, which is the Skaven's god, uh, being actually the same as the Emperor, and that Skaven are basically a representation of, like, humanity taken to an extreme in I general. I mean, you're, get, you're getting closer. So are you going to claim that they're a specific race? Because that will be uncomfortable. Not a specific race, an ideology. Ideology. Uh, pure, unfettered individualism? Maybe, since not, they only care about themselves. Nazis. Fascism. They're, they're Nazis. Uh, See, here's the thing. <laughs> they have storm vermin. If you look at the little, I think it's Eshin has the three-pointed, the little three symbol. Someone broke it down for me, and like they are all about purity of the race and strength of the race, and everyone is inferior to the greatness of the Skaven race. There's lots of betrayal amongst each other. <laughs> 
I mean, someone made a very compelling argument. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, no, everything. You know, is like, I yeah, I no. can see that. I, I can I can understand that. I they're don't think that they're incompetent. <laughs> I, I would say I don't think they're any more fascism than the like the empire in 40k is i think they're they're closer but but i do see the resemblance i see what you're talking about like i someone broke it down for me like if you go look at uh, skaven symbols and you'll start to see like oh yeah no i i see that now i guess skaven symbols to my eyes look more like um witch stuff like old pagan witchy stuff because they tend to be like branches that are and what did the nazis love supernatural kind of ish stuff true yeah, so <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I can see it. I think that there are other parallels that are probably tighter because there are very specific traits in the Skaven that don't feel like that. I mean, like literally the idea. Well, everything about Clan Mulder strikes me as being <laughs> like. Anyway, not the point. Point is, I can see it. But Wrong podcast. Yeah, yeah. Wrong podcast. Well, let, let me very let me be very clear then. Fuck Nazis. Just because I love the Skaven doesn't mean that Nazis get any sort of any sort of positivity from me fuck them but i could see the aesthetic similarity going on there sure but again skaven are supposed to be the pure force of evil in yep. in Warhammer that's why Fantasy, it's a great say. parallel like there's no ifs ands or buts these are the in the universe of bad these are the bad we have demons that are like yeah no we are a step above these literal filth monsters yeah Exactly. And and it's also why like I wouldn't want to be a Skaven. I wouldn't want to be in a world with Skaven. I just like I just like them from a fictional Warhammer model collection standpoint. And their their tech is really cool because it's like all this crazy they're basically the only race that works with uranium. So they have crazy cool tech and they do like flesh molding so they have these crazy like Frankenstein monsters. They're basically to me, they're the sci fi. They're not sci fi. So they're like they're like the like when I say science fiction, I'm talking like Mary Shelley Frankenstein science fiction kind of race, like classic science fiction. Yeah. And that just really appeals to me in a fantasy setting. So. Yeah, no, just someone broke that down. I'm like, how did I never see that before? I mean, at least they're the unequivocal, unredeemable bad guys. Like they don't try and put any spin on it. So. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no redeeming them. My favorite character in the Skaven, Ikit Claw, is just the, <laughs> is just the smartest Skaven who wears a power armor suit that he invented and his whole goal is to come up with bigger and better ways to blow shit up. And he just wants to make essentially an atom bomb. It's called the doom sphere, but it's what he wants to, his whole goal is to make an atom bomb. <laughs> so a slight spoiler for the end times, his end goal is to pull the moon out of orbit and crush everybody. Which, uh, yeah, he makes a tractor beam in total war. So I've, I've heard that that is what he wants to do as well. Point is that that Ikit is not even like other Skaven. Like Ikit is because he Ikit's not interested in Skaven superiority. Ikit's interested in destruction for destruction's sake. And there's something kind of pure about that too that I, I enjoy. <laughs> anyway, that was my like twenty some minute rant about uh, or ramble about the four armies, the the two that I've have collected and the two that I plan to collect. So there you go. I do not plan at all to get into actually collecting Horus Heresy models, mostly because I'm already into 40k, and Heresy is mostly like Space Marine on Space Marine stuff, and I'm just not... The models are gorgeous. I love the Primarch models. Like, I will appreciate the hell out of them. I just have no interest in collecting any of it, so... You mean you don't want to work with mountains and mountains of Forge World resin? Correct. I also don't want to collect a fifth army of any kind, so... 
Yeah, no. I don't know. It just worked. I mean, we covered all the bases and you established, like, you look at 30K and go, I want to read about it. But no, I have no desire to play that. Correct. Absolutely I, correct. I still need to eat. <laughs> yes. i able to buy food and can't eat models. Not for lack of trying. <laughs> we can, just won't digest. So. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my 40K journey, uh, it's a lot like Axel's. I started with uh, Dawn War, but it was Soulstorm and no idea what was going on and then i still had no idea and then i picked up uh the soul drinkers omnibus by ben counter which is a really weird jumping on point if you don't know 40k because it's like we're going to diverge rapidly got through that and said i love this but i have no idea what this is and then stumbled into the ultramarines omnibus by graham mcneil and was like okay starting to get a foothold and then i discovered uh the lexiconum and would spend hours just kind of scrolling through and reading that and figuring everything out. And that's kind of how I came to 40K. Like, it was kind of a weird ass-backwards fall-in. Like, all right, I'm going to... If anytime I came across something I didn't know in a book, I just went to the lexiconum, looked it up, and went, okay, that's what that is. Sorry, I'll be to interrupt you real quick, but uh, the thought just crossed my mind that even though I still will stand by, like, I think the, 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 the Skaven Nazi thing is, is, is that... I do think that... For what does exist, I love the idea that Games Workshop is basically saying, hey, here's how we see the Nazis as sniveling, cowardly, backstabbing rodents. So I mean, that's the thing is they're like, oh, crap, they're not getting it with the Space Marines. We made them too good. Yeah, sorry. uh, (laughs) 2.0. I didn't mean to derail what you were saying. It's just that thought was going through my head as you were talking where I was like, one of the big problems with 40K is people mistake them having fascist imperium as something of an endorsement well here's another race that's very fascist and they're fucking terrible and and like this and you definitely wouldn't want to be one and so anyway sorry continue <laughs> yeah no it's it's, it's interesting. and you know i honestly didn't know there was a miniatures game for years like i think it was i i saw the ads they put at the back of the black library books like games workshop you know models i'm like oh they make models of these i wonder what that's for and I think I just kind of slowly discovered there was a game. And then I went and looked at the price of the model and went, oh, no, thank you. That's that's just no. <laughs> yeah. And that was back in the day when they were cheaper, like $20 kits. True. Uh, this would have been like, what, 7th? Because I started at the tail end of 8th edition and you were, what, the beginning of 7th edition? I got in about halfway through 7th, but I was I, I started got in I got into 40k in 2007. Okay. 2008 somewhere in there. But no, I finally like jumped into the game in 7th. And I remember going through like I when I decided I was going to do I'm like all right, I'm going to buy some models, I'm going to buy some paint, I'm going to see Yeah, hold on. What, what got thing. you what got you to do the jump? Cuz I talked about like my conversations with Dan and Wretched. So what got you to actually make that jump then? I really loved the universe i'm like this is really cool i love these books i love this setting i had a local game shop that had a very active community and it's like all right you know what i'm going to give this a try and see if this is something for me like i'd slowly been inching more in it i was like watching more battle reports i was in a pretty good facebook group about 40k it's like all right I want to give this a try. And ironically, and this has been my big project, I saw the picture of that Games Workshop built, the Ultramarines chapter, like Codex compliant, 1,000 dudes, all the rhinos, all the everything. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Man, that would be cool if I could do that someday. And that was kind of like, 
all right, that, that seems cool. That might seem like something I want to do. And I narrowed it down. I was like, all right, I'm either going to do Ultramarines, Imperial Fists, or Storm Wardens. Those were the three chapters I was, you know, going between. And Storm Wardens, I ended up not going with because I didn't want to have to freehand and green stuff everything to make them, you know, look like their own unique chapter. And Imperial Fists went out because I'm like, I know yellow looks way too hard to paint. And it's like, well, Ultramarines. I like the Ultramarines because of the Uriel Ventress series and they have the most characters. Real quick, for anyone out there considering getting into any sort of miniature painting, the darker the colors, generally speaking, the easier it's going to be to paint them. Lighter colors, yellow and white especially, are generally considered nightmares in the painting community. There are methods and keys to make things easier, but just saying, when you first start, stick to blacks, browns, and grays. <laughs> yeah, the contrast paints have made it a lot easier. They're, like, their white's pretty good. you got to do some mixing, but it's still it's easier. So, you know, I decided with uh, Ultramarines, and I bought a single unit of Tactical Marines because my brain said, if I get into this, I am going to build that army that I saw that Games Workshop did. The, the Codex-compliant chapter. Yep. Yep. And the other reason I did Ultramarines is they have a structure. They are this. This is how they're built. They have this many companies. They have this many leadership, so on and so forth. And 7th edition, for those of you who played it, was a terrible edition to try and get into. It was very much a lot of the problems we're seeing with ninth in the overcomplexity and the, like, the focus towards tournament play with just a giant wall of rules. But I had a great community. I kept playing. I kept learning. And I was determined, like, all right, I am going to build this Space Marine, you know, force. Fast forward to this year, after my annual inventory, I have about 500 models. And roughly, I like, the first company is almost done. The second company is almost done. Like, the company, all the companies are about halfway done, like, build-wise. And now it's getting into the more focusing on the, minor, the smaller things, the transports and the whatnots. By the way, if uh, just to to answer as with you as well, I haven't done a I haven't done a number inventory, did a point inventory, but for a non-player, it doesn't mean anything. So to a non-player, I probably have about maybe a little over 200 models, like a little more than 100 orcs and a little bit less than 100 sisters. So something like that. Yeah, I should clarify a. Space Marine chapter, like when it's all said and done, will be over a thousand models. And that is the crazy part of working. And it kind of got derailed when the Primaris came out and they changed the thing. Like, wait a second. How does this work? God damn it. I was a quarter of the way there and you changed the rules. So I had to go deep. And again, this is kind of why I love Warhammer is the lore is established in there. So I had to do a deep dive to figure out how to reconfigure my project to work with, with pri Primaris and Firstborn Mix. <laughs> Yeah. Can you do Primaris yeah, and, and Firstborn Mix? One of those, oh, yeah. Okay. Like, I've got a Primaris Firstborn Mix. They fill a lot of the same roles, and some of it's a bit more convenient. Some of the stuff I've had to, you know, like, there's they're new, so there's gaps. And it's like, all right, I don't know where you go because you haven't told me, so my best guess is you're going to go join this squad now. Right. And, I mean, I was one of the people that when Primaris first came out, I was one of those salty people, like, I don't like it. It's new and it's different and it changed my system that i was going to you know to be fair you had invested heavily in what at the time seemed like it might be a quickly obsolete collection luckily it, it seems like it seems like games workshop is very aware right now of that it is keeping firstborn viable but anyway 
Yeah. It wasn't even that. My brain was like, well, I'll just buy up all these old models cheap now that they don't, you know, have a place in the game anymore. It was more, damn it, I have to reconfigure my system to figure out where you guys fit. Hmm. Like, it was really that petty. So that is my ongoing project that I'm slowly building towards that I do have other 40K armies. I have a small Custodes army because I kind of I really like Custodes. And I'm like, I want a small like army that I can build and paint and I can, you know, not have to take a bunch of space and Slagathor and I share custody of a sister's army because she's she's not really into 40k she's way more into the fantasy and the whatnot and but she kind of liked sisters like you know I really wish there were more female armies in 40k hint hint nudge nudge games workshop maybe get on that true as of right now in 40k there's really only two and a half if you count that like Imp Guard can have female models, and Eldar can have female models. They seem to be giving Eldar more now. But really, if you want a female army in 40k proper, it's Sisters and Slanesh. And even Slanesh is getting tricky about what you're defining. So Yeah. So, of course, she gravitated to Slanesh because she's like, well, Slanesh is in, you know, fantasy, so I can have that. And I like how they look. And Slanesh is in 40k, so I can have that. And she's kind of, you know, continued on that and done her own thing. But Sisters, she's like, if they ever do Sisters, I want to get that because... They just seem awesome. So I, I share custody of a very small Sisters army. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, I mentioned how Sisters had a full plastic release in in 2019, I believe, late 2019. And when I say that, that right. for anyone who's not in the know and you're listening to this, first of all, thank you, because I'm sure a lot of this is gibberish. But when when you look at 40K or Warhammer as a hobby, models used to be made out of metal first. They were pewter, which meant mm-hmm. that they were heavy, hard to put together and paint yeah and if you fucked them up you were really screwed then they transitioned to using resin which is the kind of stuff that you use in a 3d printer i don't know at what time period this was i just know this is like the sequence we're talking about so this they go is, metal i think fine cast is 2005 that means they that they used metal that. that means they used metal for 20 years because this started in the 80s like early they 80s. did a little bit of plastic like plastic gets introduced in there but, but they thought they could do resin because resin is cheap yeah, so the most of the lines transition to resin. That being said, Scissors of Battle, who were introduced in third edition codex, uh, or the third edition core rulebook, originally as a um, Space Marine Hunters, they've changed the lore about them a lot since oh, then. Yeah. But ne- Axel, the lore is immutable. <laughs> you can't change the lore. It has to stay the same. It's always been that way. Uh, people need to watch more freaking... Why is his name suddenly escaping me? The the Lord, whatever. Anyway, um, so Sisters didn't ever have an official release, like not a real one. They had some Forge World models, a lot of conversions, uh, but never anything full. And then sometime in, I think, what, the early aughts, generally speaking, Games Workshop started transitioning to plastic models, like full, like as a widespread thing. Like there may have been plastic models before, but they started becoming the norm. And plastic models are so much nicer than resin models for a lot of reasons. Like with resin, you got to do a lot of like cleaning and preparing and you have to get like certain solutions to make them work. And you're still super gluing things. But with plastic, because it's it's light, it's pretty cheap to make comparatively and you can use liquid cement which means you're not gluing you're actually causing the two pieces of plastic to meld into one piece of plastic so things stick together much better it's very easy to correct your problems because plastic is really easy to mold so then in in 2019 sisters got a full like wide faction release of plastic 
models, like brand new, gorgeous ones. So anyway, sorry, I just want to give context for like how the model structure works. Yeah. So we were kind of stuck with the metal ones. And she's like, I like the idea of, you know, more badass females, but those models are ugly. And then, you know, we get the plastic release and she's like, ooh, let's get some of those. And we've slowly been building a force. But as the problem, I have this massive space marine project that consumes 90% of my hobby energy, which is why I started Custodes. It's like, you know, I just need a few models and that can be done. True. And around this time, I was really a group because seventh was just an unfun play in, you know, Age of Sigmar. The legends I've heard are that in that Ulrich told me is that in seventh edition, you needed like spreadsheets to understand anything. There was a giant spreadsheet you had to consult to hit and wound and like they killed a certain unit you couldn't attack anybody it was a nightmare it was on whereas from what i can tell eighth edition feels like it was constructed so but it feels was an answer to seventh edition's mess correct and And ninth ninth edition edition, while it has edition i got issues yeah well i'm gonna say well ninth edition i do think has issues mostly with things like codex creep and they seem to be going for very swingy games i think it's still largely a generally new person friendly kind of thing like yeah there is a lot to to learn but at the end of the day it's a basic six or d6 system that you can you know just get battle scribe on your phone and you can play it it's friendlier than seventh but eighth i think was the better one because the number one complaint coming about ninth is they have their eye firmly planted on the tournament scene and appeasing that and making it work for tournaments which is why we get things like here's extra points if you have your models are painted and the, you can't table people anymore and here's your well you can table people it's just not an auto you can table people it's just not an auto win so yeah and that was a problem in the tournament scene not the casual anyway that's a whole other thing so anyways uh how i got to sigmar it was always there and i always said you know yeah i don't really like any of these armies you know, I'll, I'll wait for dwarves. And it's 2022, and dwarves, as I know them, haven't come. I don't know if they ever will. Yeah, because the closest we got are the Carrot and Overlords, which are, if you like, uh, steampunk pirate dwarves, which my buddy Denim really is into. But if you want more classic dwarves, kind of SOL. I think the close aren't there some stuff in the Cities of Sigmar, but it's very limited. Yeah, but Cities of Sigmar is just a, is a hot mess of an army. I believe and it. It's like. It's being held together with Stormcast. <laughs> it's funny, too, because we talk about the distinction between Warhammer Fantasy and Age of Sigmar, and there is a whole complicated set of things there that someone like uh, Sotek would be better equipped to talk about. But in some cases, it feels like a big reason to even launch Age of Sigmar was to basically add Space Marines into Fantasy with a faction called Stormcast Eternals. And I used to be very critical of that, but I've come around, and I kind of really like Stormcast Eternals now, so... <laughs> Age of Sigmar was kind of two part in one. It needed, it wanted to fix the problems they had written themselves into with fantasy, writing themselves into with 40k. But you're right, they also wanted to introduce a big selling faction like Space Marines to the fantasy universe, aka Stormcast. But ironically, like I really kind of came to hate the style, and they still kind of bug me. Those vacant eyes. Yeah, so but I it ties like, into okay, their lore very well. I <laughs> know, but it 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 bugs me, and they still kind of bug me. So I asked a friend, like, okay. Who is like the biggest opposition for Stormcast? Like, who are they fighting? Chaos, and at the time, primarily? yes, it was Chaos. And it was Corn is in Ascendancy. And I'm like, all right, that's the army I'm going with. And I had a big, I bought a big 
corn army off of friend and i had this massive corn force that i loved but ultimately it's like i love you but i don't play you nearly as much as i play my 40k games and i'm just going to you know sell you off and i miss it greatly because i really did love that corn army corn is so much fun i love corn as a lore but it was like i can only get like one or two this is after my daughter was born i'm only getting like one game a month and it's like if i'm gonna have a game of 40k or age of sigmar i'm going with the game i know well which was 40 and that brings up that uh We've said many times, but man, you and I need to get together sometime because I have I have six thousand points worth of models and you and I still haven't played a game of forty K. So No, I looked it up. You were nine and a half hours away from me. I thought it was closer for some reason. Ooh, yeah, that ain't gonna happen anytime soon. So yeah, that, that is a long drive. Like I for some reason I thought you were closer, but like honestly, a six hour drive I might do for a weekend, but nine hours? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah no we'd have to plan something big and it i, I i've had this fantasy like we're just gonna put all the models on the table and apocalypse, an game. apocalypse game all right <laughs> i don't know it, it might have to be in waves just because it gets unmanageable past a certain point <laughs> like did, 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 did we activate this unit yet no no that that hasn't done yet like, okay, i will cool. say so many I, things or yeah i will say in the 40k v um the fantasy or age of sigmar question about what to play for me it really just comes down to what army am i most into right now because i'll be perfectly honest if i had skaven army like ready to go that would be entirely what i want to play right now just because i'm in skaven mode but i've switched i have transitioned between orc mode and sisters mode multiple times throughout the last year sometimes it'll be like like when i got my beast boss on squigasaur my brain would instantly tell i want to play orcs i want to play orcs so i can field this guy whereas when i got morvin vol built same thing but for his sisters like i want to play morvin vol come on so i like having multiple armies no, for that reason eighth, you know eighth i flip back and forth through my custodies and my space marines back and forth because my custodies they were they were it was an entirely different place like these are just big you know bricks of shit kicking like i had one game they chased magnus around the board the entire game because everybody's like no if you get in close combat it's over i know what they do i know how they hit so i've mentioned i've mentioned wretched and dan a few times wretched started collecting heavily with me at the same time he collected in high school but he had to give up all his models uh, he collected corn in high school but he had to give up his models and so then he hadn't collected for years and then when i started collecting again he started collecting again and he started collecting a thousand sons and then he started collecting custodies and right now he is super on that custodies kick. So I've played against them a few times. I've played with him a few times. And meanwhile, our buddy Dan, Dan has Admech, Eldar. He, I think he has Necron. I know he had Necron, but right now he's big on Imperial Knights. And I don't know how to convey this to someone who doesn't know the game, but playing as Imperial Knights is basically playing a different game entirely because yep. you're not controlling an army you're controlling like four essentially Gundam-sized things that are ju- just that, right? And they're really scary to other players because, oh man, you got like the the giant model that's gonna wreck everything. And so me and my me and Wretched did a two v one in a twenty one hundred point game with the knights, and Custodes destroyed them. No contest. It was actually sad to watch. No, Custodes have been in a happy spot. And the like, the thing I've discovered about myself and my hobby is. I have a tendency to go big. I mean, we established that with my Space Marine, you know, chapter. But at one point, my plan for Chaos was I was going to make a great army of Chaos Undivided. Like, I was going to steal Slagathor's Slanesh models. I was going to have Archeon. I was going to have this massive horde of Chaos. And I got to the point, like, no, I can only have one big project at a time. Let's, you know, tamp that down. I had a Tyranid army at one point, and it was like, 
okay, no, listen, this is too big. I'm going to sell you. I'm going to trade you for more Space Marines. Well, that's the thing about the projects is as far as building's concerned, I'm done collecting orcs. I've collected all the orcs I want. I, I can fit them all into my carry box. It is about 3,000 points. I can't carry the Morkanaut and the the Burnabama. They're too big, but I don't need to carry – I don't need to take them with me to field a 3,000-point army. So – I have no real interest in any more orcs. With sisters, I have a little bit of space left on my bottom shelf, so I might get a couple more vehicles, like maybe another Castigator, maybe another Rhino. But other than that, I'm done collecting sisters. So I've reached this point where I'm going to be in – as soon as I finish building my Battle Sanctum and then my two Skaven boxes, I'm going to be into paint mode. And until I get like a 1,000 points painted for both of them, I'm not collecting any of the Skaven that I really want to collect, but I'm going to keep myself held back. It it also helps that uh, the Warhammer store here in my town actively doesn't sell any Skaven. Like I went in there and talked with him, and I admit if he had a Doom Wheel on the shelf, I would have bought that fucking Doom Wheel. But uh, they don't sell Skaven in the store anymore because they're an old model line. But hey, Vermintide was successful, so um, fingers crossed. Eventually, they're going to get around to fixing Skaven. Like, we could have a whole conversation with, like, the issues with Age of Sigmar and mainly in how they do armies, but that's a whole other topic. I mean, we've already, like, skipped over, like, three topics that could make it their entire... I mean, we're talk- we've- we're at, like, what, the hour and 15 or whatever unedited? We're and an hour 20 right now unedited. Yeah, so, so we're probably going to wrap up here soon, but the point is that we could keep talking about this. This is, like our shared giant geek out topic right now. So we could yep. talk about this for a long time. There's a reason we started Geeks of Grimdark. Well, that's not true. Geeks of Grimdark started because we had a massive reaction of people going, yes, do this, I want to guess. But we've kept doing it because it's like an excuse to talk about this collective universe. Like we didn't even touch on Warhammer the Old World, which I view with both excitement and fear because that's the best chance I have of getting my dwarves back trepidation is the is the word you're looking for yeah, yeah I, i'm I wanna, going oh i want to make something very i want to make something very clear so if you live in the world today and you are in pop culture at all then you're going to understand the idea of of the appeal of fictional worlds like you may not be a harry potter fan but you've seen the zealotry of like harry potter fans or marvel fans or lord of the rings fans or star wars fans these are really well done for the most part fleshed out settings so when i think about 40k and warhammer in general fantasy and age of sigmar as well one of the things that i at first had to grapple with is this is a very dismal setting what is the what is the fun uh and how can i because like i've got i've got family members who are like you know in the past, why would you engross yourself in something so inherently depressing or something like that? And that's the thing. It's not. 40K, Age of Sigmar, Fantasy are some of the – like even compared to those other things I mentioned, like except for maybe Star Wars. Star Wars has got a crazy extended universe. But even compared to a lot of those other things, 40 Warhammer's world is so detailed and fleshed out and huge. They've been building it for 40 years and – there are still so many depths that I haven't even begun to explore. And there's something for like for everyone. I will admit there's sometimes not enough stuff for certain people. Like we said, more female armies in 40K, please. But there is still something there for everyone. This is, this is possibly – I'm not going to say it's the best because that's a really 
a tricky word, but it's it's one of like probably top three most engaging fictional settings I have ever experienced. And the the number of ways you can interact with it, video games, shows, the board game, books, it's just it's amazing. That's why I do not like the idea when people try and say that it's a niche hobby. No, the people playing the board game, that may be a niche hobby. But like people that are fans of one of these settings, that's not niche. If you have dedicated book sections in bookstores, you are not a niche hobby anymore. Yeah. Like books are the smallest part of your thing and they have a dedicated section in most bookstores. You're not niche. Okay. Also sidebar, but the new season of Archer has a Warhammer fantasy reference. So take that popular culture. Oh, geez. I didn't know that, but yeah, no, it's, it's. Oh, you didn't watch the video. I shared it in our discord. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. For the record. Love this. Sorry. For the record. It's a quick 30 second thing. Archer is playing a game of Warhammer fantasy as Beastman. So that just makes you know. a degree of sense. No, I don't know where this idea I, well, I kind of do. It's its own weird nerdy gatekeepy thing. I don't know. But no, this this is stop being a niche hobby. I mean, Henry Cavill will will drag it out of the shadows and make everyone play it with him. Damn right. I, like, oh, man. The man anytime it's like the man looks for an excuse to talk about 40K in interviews. Yes, he does. Henry Cavill is amazing. I love that he's like our celebrity star and he's trying to get like. I think uh, uh, Tom Holland, he's tried to talk Tom Holland into playing with him and to just get celebrities talking about it, like popular culture. It does seem like I think the pandemic really actually raised the collection because it's a hobby. You can do a lot of stuff at home. So like it's the engagement has gone up over the last couple of years. And yeah, I, I agree totally with all that. So, so yeah, no, it's I don't oh, know, that's our also fuck gatekeepers in yeah. general. If anyone who tries to say like fake fan or anything like that fuck you like my goal is to get more people into this hobby with me and if your reason for collecting an army is something as simple as i think they're pretty good enough for me you're allowed to have your own reasons and i just want to play games with you man i mean that's <laughs> largely how slagathor picks her army is i like how they look yeah my point is i don't care what a person's reasons are or even how deep they are like there are people who paint but don't play the game there are people who play the game my buddy dan doesn't give a shit about the lore at all. I play games with him all the time, but I love the lore, but he doesn't doesn't affect us at all. I've like, known people like that. It's like, I want to understand you because my brain cannot, I, my, I, I just can't. I mean, yeah, good my for po- you. My point is that I, I despise and loathe gatekeeper culture. And now admittedly, it's less common in nerd culture than it was even 10 years ago, but it's still there. And we need, you need to be uh, vigilant in stamping that shit out. So. Yeah. No, one percent. So to bring it back around to our fourth anniversary celebration, I wish we had more of a game plan of what this year looked like. I have tried to loosen up on that because I I don't want to give into my Teutonic brain that drives me crazy. I'm just like, you know what? We're gonna do what we want to do, and we're gonna talk to who wants to talk to us, and I'm going to hope that works. I agree. Uh, the fact we've been doing this for four years is insane. Because we've talked about before, we really didn't think it was going to last more than a year. Uh, I also didn't think it was going to get as big as it is. Not to say that we're, like, huge or anything, but we are already more, way more successful than I ever thought we were going to be. And We've while, had steady growth, yeah, which is and while, its own reward. Yeah, and while I don't do this for success, I do this largely because it's an excuse to talk to my brother once a week. But, you know, I've gotten to meet – I've gotten to make friendships through this. Like, the fact that yeah. – like. 
so yeah, I'm glad that we're doing this. I'm glad we're still doing this, and I'm glad that as far as I know, we're going to keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot of hard work, but it really pays off. And I don't know what this year's going to bring. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I mean, we have a loose list of get people that want to come on. We have a loose list of people we want to talk about. We have a massive list of potential episodes. So I look forward to doing this next year and looking back and seeing what we're doing. And... I don't know. Hopefully, as a last little nudge, nudge to our Patreon, we can talk about our trip to Boston on next year's thing. If that we would get be great. Patron, if we get these patron numbers high enough. So go do that. All right. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things that the algorithm demands of you. Because like an eldritch being that, you know, lives on blood sacrifices, we need you to go, hey, I like this podcast. You should listen to this podcast so they don't go away. And whatever platform you're currently listening to us on, whether it be Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Podcast, or iHeartRadio, or the FiresideAlliance.com, thank you. And if there's another platform you'd rather us be on, tell us what it is, and who knows what will happen this year. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.